Brothers Podcast. My name is Keenan, joined by my brother Kyle as always. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm decent. I'm decent. How are you doing, Keenan? I'm pretty solid. Pretty solid here. Uh, so just going through kind of a quick-ish recap of the last round and how teams got here moving into what we think kind of is going to go on this round and possibly later on this week, early next week, we might have Camden on to further that, those discussions. But start off, um, I'll start off with the Celtics just because it was the last series to end. Uh, as a Celtics fan, quick, uh, question for you, Game 7. Celtics fan going into that Philly after obviously through three um game six was up and down Tatum ended up ended up great how did you feel going into game seven were you confident to answer that question I gotta answer I'll take it back to game five because I think the last time we recorded was after game four of that series going into game five yeah I believe Harden had just gone off and I'd said Basically, like, I think I gave predictions for every other game five because there was three game fives going on and uh, maybe even four. Mm -hmm. And I basically said I didn't know what was going to happen with the Celtics and Sixers in game five. And the Sixers actually end up coming out on top, right? Celtics are at home. Had we recorded before game six, Keenan, I actually probably would have been more confident in the Celtics in game six than I was in game five, right? Celtics end up winning that. Game seven, I probably would have gave you the same answer as game five. I would have gave edge to Celtics for sure, especially because in that game six, and we'll talk about him beating hard a little bit later, but uh, in that game six, the way it happened, you know, the Celtics aren't playing well at all. Tatum's not playing well at all. And then all of a sudden with, what, five, three minutes left, Tatum hits a couple threes, they're up, and the Celtics, or and the Sixers kind of just go away. Uh so I wouldn't have been surprised with any yeah. outcome of that game seven. I would have gave the edge to the Celtics, though, just because of how the how the Sixers lost. Because we see that a ton of times in the playoffs where if someone's got an advantage in game yeah. six, loses game six in heartbreaking fashion, then you almost just have to give advantage to uh, whoever's got game seven, you know, or whoever won the game six to force a game seven. Very similar yeah. to... Less dramatic, but like, you know, the Ray Allen shot in game six leads to an OT leads to game seven where, yeah, the Spurs put up a good fight, but you just got to give the edge to the heat there. Um, so, yeah, cool. So Yeah, or Bucks last, Celtics last year. Tatum goes in, drops 46 against Giannis, 44. They go in there. They go in game seven. They pull it exactly. out. Kind of like Grant Williams had a huge game. But exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, so the Sixers being up 3-2 there, the Cel- like you just said, the Celtics have been down 3-2. So they're comfortable in that situation. They weren't playing well. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Sixers just... I mean, you saw it going into Game 6. The Sixers were complaining about the refs from Game 5. They were complaining going into Game 7 about the refs in Game 6. You know, they just never really, along with their fans, never really had the winner's mentality. And you saw that with Embiid. And you definitely saw that with Harden. Uh, you know, and then that takes us to last night. I mean, first of all, I don't want to go over Tatum already breaking Steph Curry's record with a 51. He just got unconscious. He was in fuego. He could not miss. Uh, you can just tell when Tatum just starts to, like, yeah. you know, get that little shake when he's, you know, shimmying a little bit, when he's got that dribble going. You can just tell, like, he's feeling himself. And uh, it was like himself. It was like himself in the gym. You know what I mean? Just by himself, just shooting around. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. And uh, Philly had no answer for it at all. I think Embiid had two second-half points uh you know 
right on schedule, they became Embiid and Harden. Harden was terrible. Yeah, Harden, Harden could not be bothered to show up. Could not be bothered. All that to, uh, you know, present us with the game last night. You know, Heat Celtics, game one, uh, and just yes. predictable. You can't trust this team at all. You can't trust this Celtics team at all. I want to repeat that one more time, okay? You cannot trust the Celtics team one bit. Not one bit. Like, I was not surprised we lost. I was not surprised by anything to do with that. I actually have the Celtics winning this series in seven. But look, if the Heat go up 2-0 on the road, I'm not going to say it's a wrap, but it's such a coaching mismatch, Keenan, that <laughs> it's very much yeah. advantage Heat. It's very much advantage Heat. Like, Celtics were randomly yeah. playing Peyton Pritchard last night. Who I agree should get more minutes, but like, why game one of the Easter Conference Finals? Why not game one of the first round? You know, like what? I don't understand why he's just in the game. I don't understand why Joe Mazzulla doesn't know how to call a timeout during runs. I understand making your team play through runs. I understand that philosophy. During a quarter. Yeah, like he's just. (laughs) He just said no. It's like 45 in the third quarter. We'll say exactly. We might need him down the stretch. We probably need him then. Might need him then. And I completely under, <laughs> and I completely understand. Like the Heat have a lot of shooters. Jimmy Butler can attack, but there's no reason on earth for the Heat to get 46 points in a quarter, especially the third quarter. Um, but really, any quarter at all. Like there's no reason for that. Um, this is like no. this is the typical. Not at all. This is the typical talented but dumb team versus the smart team, the extremely smart team, the extremely fundamental tough team. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm saying this, like I, I want to pick the Heat. I really do. I think the Celtics just have way too much talent, and they'll kind of dumb their way into the finals because I just I have a hard time believing it. But at the same time, if the Heat go up 2-0, that's – it's almost like being up two and a half oh because of the coaching mismatch. Uh and I, yeah. I would think you guys get hero at least by game four. So man, I just don't know. Possibly. I don't know. The way they were talking about it last night was that Hero might only be back for the finals. So that means the hand's not progressing as I thought it was going to be. But <clears throat> I will we'll see. We'll see, hopefully. I would love for him to be back by game four, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean I'll I mean, let me I'll let you talk. I got tons to, that I could say about the Celtics and and you know how they operate, but we'll let you talk about yeah. you know last night's game and such. Whatever you want to talk about over the last eight days of basketball since we've connected. Right. Uh, so the so game six couldn't have gone and going back to the Philly Celtics game six. I was super confident in the Celtics in game six as I, cause I've been talking to a lot of people at work and I was like, there's a better chance that the Celtics win game six and lose game seven than lose game six in my head. I thought there was just when their backs are against the wall and they have to, they have to fight. That's when they're good. They seem to be lax when they're not. I don't know why. Um, so, but Tatum played the worst three and a half quarters I've seen him play. And then, 12 points down the stretch with four threes and then like the last last stretch and over um I was say over the last like 46 minutes of basketball he played in that series he scored 63 points over 
63, 60% from the floor, and 67 from three. So, like, that was why they won game five and uh, game six and seven because Tatum got super hot and then he kept that unconscious streak. And you were talking about Tatum and, like, when he has that rhythm to him, he feels like he it's so effortless. It's like, it's like Durant. It's kind of like Melo. It's like Paul George. It's like those guys, when they get in their – in their zone, it really is like no one's defending him regardless of if someone's actually defending him because they get every shot they want. Water. And the thing with Tatum, it, yeah, it really is. And the thing with Tatum that I think is this thing, the one thing we can't put our finger on with why he's not there is I almost feel like sometimes he just doesn't take it. Like, when the game comes to him like that, he can play as well as any player on planet Earth. But sometimes, like the second half yesterday, when he's only taking four shot attempts, there's no reason why that should happen. It's not like Embiid not getting a shot at the end of the six, end of game six for the last four minutes, which I think is ridiculous as well. That one you can blame a little bit more on coaching because Embiid doesn't bring the ball up the floor. You need to get him in spots, but at the same time, Embiid's got to still be like, okay, ball here. Like Shaq wouldn't I let that happen. With that. Hakeem wouldn't. Barkley mm. like, there's not. You you disagree with? Embiid? I disagree with it being on coaching because, like you just said, Embiid all Embiid's got to do is get his ass on the block, put his hand up. That's it. Uh, Embiid. Look, I lost. I think it's got to be some plays ran towards him. Maybe, but that's I do agree that maybe, it's more on Embiid maybe, than it is but on you coaching. Got, because you've got like Embiid's got to just say hello. Here's ball. here's the only thing I'll give Harden because Harden was James Harden right on schedule in Game Seven. Uh, the only thing I'll give him that yeah. I did notice was like he'd be like, okay, you know, let let me drive to the rack here and get an open three for someone. You know what I mean? He Harden had great control over the game. Yes, I, I don't think he gets he as doing. much credit for being like a true point guard, like he can run the point guard as effectively as he ran the two in his prime, you know, as far as getting his shots, this and that. Um, so yeah, when you got James Harden absolutely. and the MVP, Joel Embiid on the floor, there's no, you have no excuse. Like there's, it takes eight seconds of game time to walk the ball up to the elbow, tell Embiid to get on the block. Nah. I mean, yeah, you can run some plays, but when it's, when it's in the thick of things and you're running just, Whatever, whether you're running sets, whether you're, you know, it's in the flow of the game and you're allowing Harden to control the game. No, Embiid's just got to call for the ball. I've, I'll let you finish, but I, I got a lot to say about I, Joel Embiid. I agree with that too. I got a lot to say about Joel Embiid. I, I, was, I agree with that. Um, Quickly, just a quick aside, we're going to talk about him later. I, I don't think there's now any question. Jokic is the best center in the league. He might be the best player in the league. That can be more of a conversation. But center-wise, I'm I'm not going to entertain the conversation any longer. Jokic is better than Embiid. Um, anyways, that's me personally. Anyways, so we're moving on. I'll move on to last night because obviously Game 7 was an atrocious effort from the Sixers. Completely. Garbage. So we move on to last night. I called this game to a T. I talked to Mike yesterday, the person I work with, and I told him exactly. I think it's going to the Celtics are going to throw a punch early. The Heat are going to claw their way back. The Heat are going to get up, go on a run, get up about 12, third quarter. Celtics are going to throw their punch, and it's going to be too much Jimmy Butler late. 
that's game one. Foreshadowing to game two before I go deep into it, I think the Celtics blow out the Heat. But so game, but in game one, Jimmy was getting to his spots. Shooters were shooting. I think the Heat shot about fifty percent from three. I don't think that will continue, but I do think that they can shoot around the thirty-eight to forty, especially with the threes that they got. Some of them were tough. Kyle Lowry had that stretch in the second where he was making tough threes, but otherwise they got a lot of good shots because. Jimmy was being effective, and the key to the series, Bam Adebayo was being effective and aggressive. When he's in attack mode, getting to the basket, getting 15 and in, he can pass pretty well for a big. He can make the right decision. That's when you get Gabe Vincent and Max Struess open threes. When you get Cody Martin open threes, Kevin Love open ones, rather than late in the shot clock, because sometimes their half-court offense can get really stagnant. And late in the shot clock, they throw up bad shots. And the Celtics defended those bad shots very well because they didn't really make many of them. But they, when, they're, when the ball is moving and the players are moving and you're running pick and rolls with Jimmy and Bam, that's when the Heat are hard to beat. And the reason why I thought the Celtics were going to come out lax is just because they don't feel like they take games seriously. And I don't, I'll never understand it because this team probably could have won a championship last year if they came out with the same aggressive every day. Maybe the Warriors beat them. We don't know. But and then this year, as we said, once the Bucks lost, obviously the Heat are going to be tough, but they now have probably the best player in every series. But now I don't know. Jimmy Butler, the way he is, might be better than yes. Jason Tatum playoff-wise yes. because it's playoff Jimmy. Jimmy Butler. But I can let you go on to what you wanted to say about him beating other people, but it's – let me just respond to that. The Celtics, I think, are going to go up to. Uh, yeah, no, you're good. Um, so you you think they tap? You think they're going to go up two one? You said two. You think they win games two and three? No, no, sorry. I was going to say I think the, I sorry. I think that the Heat, Celtics are tying it up. I think it might be a blowout, and then I honestly think the Heat winner are winning game three, and the series is either going to go six or seven based on game four, and that's not really saying much of whoever goes up 3-1, depending. But I think if the, obviously the Celtics tie it up 2-2, it goes seven. And if the Heat go up 3-1, it ends in six. I think it's Celtics in seven, and that's with not a lot of confidence. Um, I think Jimmy Butler, for sure, is the best player in the series. Uh, I think going back to the mm-hmm. finals, since you mentioned last year's finals, the Celtics definitely had the more talented team, definitely had the more all-around team. Um, but you know the Warriors had yep. that final experience, and they had the best player in the series in Steph Curry. So you would figure though they would learn from their mistakes yep. last year of being, you know, just not doing the the young team mistakes. And they're all back. I mean, they're in their last twenty two home games. They're eleven and eleven. They're not young. Uh, they are though. They are. That's the they're thing. Not they're young though. That's they, the thing about are, them. No, they're but not. They're, but they've had like five years of playoff that's what experience. It is. That's, that's the what thing it is. About they're, in NBA years, they're not young because of their playoff experience, but they literally still are young, and that's where I've mentioned this before. That's where the coaching comes into hand. If this is Ime, this team's probably going up 2-0 on the Heat, and we're not even thinking about it. And maybe they win in six, you know, because respect to the Heat. But Missoula, he's he's 34. He's you know younger than a lot of the players, or some of the players at least on the team. You know, he doesn't have the respect that Ime had. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Ime. Ime's whole purpose was to go in there, kind of, you know, almost be like a military sergeant and, you know, 
get Jalen and Jason to be like mm-hmm. where mentally where LeBron or not LeBron. I mean, that's you know what I mean though. But the superstars of the league, you know, and you can see. I'll mention Embiid again. Embiid's lacking yeah. in that too. Uh, Tatum's a little more mentally tough, but it's the thing of being consistent every single night uh, and taking it to that next level. Uh, like you mentioned, he only got four shots in the second half the other night. So that's that's where I am with the Celtics. Uh, I do agree with you. I think they blow out the Heat tomorrow. I would not be surprised if Miami made it a game, though. But I do think they'll kind of feel it out in the first half. Talking about Miami here. I think they'll feel it out in the first half where the Celtics will get pretty much whatever they want. Um, and if the Celtics bring it defensively, they can be any team in this league. That's a crazy thing. I mean, that's what we saw in Philly. Aside from Jason Tatum going off in Game 7, we saw them absolutely take Philly out of the game. Mm-hmm. Now, they're playing 4-on-5 Philly was because James Harden didn't want to be in the game anyway. And and Embiid, really. They're playing 3-on-5. Um, and that's why I lost my respect for Embiid. I'll tell you... Three and a half. I'll tell five. you where I really lost my respect for Embiid as far as a superstar player. I don't know if you remember this play, yeah. but I want to say it was about 45 seconds left in Game 6. The mood had already changed because of you know Tatum doing yep. what he do. And then uh, Embiid... I believe it was Embiid or it was Harden, one of them. I think it was Harden, actually. He missed a shot at the rim. It was pretty well contested, but it would have cut the lead to, like, three points. But instead, they're down five with, like, 40 seconds left. Harden misses it, and Embiid just, like, slumps his shoulders and, like, walks back. Like, walks back on defense. Harden's walking back on defense, and it's still a game at that point. Like, two-possession game with 40 seconds left. And they, their body language said it was over. And... uh Right there, I was like, yeah, they're not winning game seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, Embiid cried and bitched and moaned about this fucking MVP for the last two years. He gets it. And like you said, look what he's doing. Look what Jokic is doing. And uh, it's hilarious right now. It's funny yeah. how how NBA fandom works, you know, because I talk about the shit I see, whether it's clips of shows, whether it's Twitter. But, like, all of a sudden, everybody giving Jokic his motherfucking flowers and it's like, where was this the last two years? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everyone, oh, like, yeah, no shit. This guy's. Well, yeah, you only talked about, oh, shouldn't be justified for two MVPs and yeah. things like that. Uh, but yeah, that's all we talked about. With and look, Embiid, he, he deserved the uh, regular season MVP. He definitely did. But, man, you see the difference. You see the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jokic, we'll get into Jokic and in, in, uh, the Nuggets and the Lakers in a second here, but. I mean, you just see how dynamic Jokic is. Like, he doesn't doesn't need the ball to be uh, have an impact on the game. And by the way, I think for most of the series, even that game six, I thought Embiid was pretty phenomenal on defense too. But then you see, I mean, look, like one of the things people talk about with Jokic is his body and how you can attack him on defense and how out of shape he is or what his body type is, I should say, even though he's definitely gotten in shape. Uh, and beat is still not in shape. He yeah, he never has been. Uh, you could see him being gassed during the series. You could see the Celtics in Game Seven finally put him in pick and rolls and make him chase. It was tough for him, and I thought he was phenomenal on defense a lot of the time. He was protecting the rim. He moves well. He's a fluid athlete. But if he ever like takes the time to get in amazing mm-hmm. shape, you know, no one would stop him. Um, I just don't know what's going to happen with that team. He should drop fifteen. I think he should just drop 15, cut a little bit, and then he'd be more laterally quick, but he's still going to keep all of his strength. He's the biggest player on 98 to 99% of courts. 
like maybe Steven Adams might can match him, but like otherwise, like he's pretty much the biggest player on every court he touches. You know, Embiid's just <sighs> Embiid. It's I could go on. I could write a book on Embiid. Yeah, right I, t- now. I talk about <laughs> it's like a thirty-minute pod specifically on Embiid. I talk about the Celtics' immaturity. I think Embiid is still very much immature. Uh, Absolutely, he just doesn't seem. He just Absolutely. doesn't seem to put the onus on himself a lot, and like, like, just like I said, that moment where they miss his tweet, his comments in the presser afterwards was ridiculous. I actually didn't think that was as bad. I don't know. If I you actually saw didn't that. think that was as bad as what they. I, the the fact that he, I thought I I did. I didn't I think it was that bad because of how it was presented. It can't just be us. It has to be five on five. True, but if you heard the rest. I mean, I just said how he doesn't take onus. He actually did kind of take onus there because he led into that with saying how it's on him, how he's got to be better, how James has got to be better, James Harden, and how the rest of the team's got to be better. Um, so he did take some onus, but the full clip of that wasn't because I did. I I I'd heard about the the quote. It the quote doesn't look great when he says that, but the full quote altogether makes it look less bad. Um, but. I still think he has a lot of growing up to do in NBA terms as far as accountability. Because I really thought this was, if, it's, if it was going to be any year for them, it was this year. You know, I can't imagine Harden, I mean, he's only going to get worse, I would think. You know, I mean, he still loves nothing more. He still yeah. loves nothing more than not showing up in a big game, regardless of what happened in game one and four. Um, I remember, I think the last time we were on with... He was writing the. Sh- he was rewriting his own story, and then he just was like, "You know what? Never mind. I'll scrap those pages." Because if he goes on and they win that series, he won Game One. He wins Game Four. Say he had a good Game Five. Say they close out Game Six. He has a pretty good game. They go on. They're able to beat the Heat, and then he gets to a Finals. And so just just for this, he wins it. Yes, Harden had a lot of playoff bad moments. But having that moment there of going through and getting Philly their first championship in 40 years, or 50, uh, 40 years, yeah, like, it would have done wonders for him in his career, but then nine just points like Dirk. in a game seven, that can't ha- it just can't happen. Yes, absolutely like Dirk, because obviously Dirk had the historic 1-8-67 win, Mavericks obviously won the MVP, he was known at times for not being able to get his team there. They go on a stupendous run where one of the better runs, honestly, in NBA history when you go through who he beat and no one ever mentions anything else again. It's okay. Dirk had one of the greatest runs. He's one of the greatest players we've seen. That's it. No one talks about the bad now. Don't need to. You rectified it. Last couple of things on the Sixers before we move on. Um, I think last time we were on with Camden, I gave an example of like what a bad game for Harden looks like, like in a in a big game, and I just want to know how close my fake off the cuff game of James Harden was to his actual Game Seven performance because you can guarantee he's gonna have like three or more turnovers. You can guarantee he's gonna take like less than fifteen shots, and you can guarantee he's gonna miss most of those shots and just not want the ball in his hands. Uh, I feel terrible for Tyrese Maxey yep. because, once again, he was the most competitive player, along with P.J. Tucker probably, on the Sixers. I thought Tobias Harris did great on defense. He gets a lot of uh, he gets a lot of slack for not really showing up on offense or showing up here and there, which I understand, but I thought he was giving it 
great effort mm-hmm. on defense, rebounding, things of that nature. Uh, you know, PJ does what he does. But Maxi, I remember last year when the Sixers went out, I thought, I forget who they played and who they got eliminated by. Was it the Heat? No, who the fuck they played last year? Was it Miami that they got eliminated by? Yeah, because it was Miami because Embiid was injured last year. I remember. Embiid got injured last year. I remember. He still played, though, I thought, right? He was still playing in these games. Embiid. And I believe Embiid, if he did, he must have played like at the end of the series. I believe he was because he was out for at least the majority of the series because I was going to have a bet with um, NATO last year. But I took it off because I figured with Embiid being injured, it wasn't really because I remember they wanted to lose to Toronto in the first round. But anyway, I remember in the elimination game last year uh, at home, I remember thinking to myself, the only two players who gave a fuck were Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. And then this year, I mean, Embiid couldn't be bothered in Game 7. Harden, obviously, like we said, could not be bothered in Game 7. And Maxi showed up and uh, threw at uh, our boy Steven Esteban Ramos. I threw at him because Maxi's his favorite player on the team. I said, you know, if it meant giving up Maxi, would you take Dame Lillard back? And he said, basically said, yeah, like he wouldn't love it, but... You know, you'd have to do it kind of thing. And that's the kind of player Embiid needs, you know. Dame's a dog. He's not going to will under the pressure. And, uh, you know, I think that would do wonders for Philly, having someone like Lillard there. He's a true leader. Um, But we can move on to the next series if you would like. I just want to quickly, just because I did a little bit of looking into it. So, yeah, the Heat beat him in six last year. Embiid did not play in the series. Why don't I remember that? Uh, Game four was a big game for Harden. Uh, Game four was a big game for Harden. Game four, Harden had like 16 in the Mm -hmm. fourth. He ended with 31. And so people were like, oh, he tied the series up. Can Harden uh, actually do something again? Then they got blown out in game five. Harden had 14 points. Off of five of thirteen was bad there, and then game six they lost by nine in Philly, and Harden had a smooth eleven points, nine assists, four of nine from the floor. Maxi went out gunning, had went nine of twenty-two. Oh, and Bede was that back for that game? That was right. And Bede came back for that game. He was seven of twenty-four. So. Classic. But anyways, Embiid was out for a majority of that series, and that's kind of what. But, yeah, let we me, can move on to the West. Let me, ask you, a que- let me West. ask you a question before we get to this series. Okay, what's It'll up? It'll tie into the Lakers winning the prior series. Uh, what do you think the Warriors need for their next season? Like, what do you think their offseason looks like? What do you? What would you like to see from the Warriors? Um, Moving Jordan Poole, I think – I think if you can get two rotational players for Jordan Poole, that is a plus. I do I don't think that they're done as in Draymond, Clay and Steph. I think you can still win with them because of how great Steph is right now. Draymond I made all defensive second team. He was a very good defender this year still. Clay he's more streaky now than he was before, but he's always been kind of streaky. But this like is I, he's, he's always Smith been kind of streaky, now. but he was a little. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say he's definitely more streaky, but he's always kind of been in that, like, you'll see three bad games from him, but typically in the big games, he would that's when he would wake up. And the last few couple big games, he hasn't been – Hasn't been anything but claymation Thompson. So, but I do think that you can still win with that as long as you have the nucleus. Kayvon Looney has to be a important piece. I would try if you can trade Jordan Poole, get a couple pieces there. I know Kaminga. I I believe I read something the other day that Kaminga's trade rumors wise is getting buzz for people like wanting him because he's shown some things. I think they keep Moses Moody. I liked I liked how he played off of ball. I think he would be a nice rotational piece. But if you got another, say someone off the bench who is more like a Mike Conley off the bench. I mean, not that they can get Mike Conley, but say like a Mike Conley style guy off the bench who can go in there, give you veteran minutes, knows how to play, knows how to control an offense, can play within a system, and then if they could get a big to back up like a maybe a Mason Plumlee. I know he's a free agent, but someone like that to where he can actually play legitimate defense, be a rim runner, block shots, I think those are the things they'd need to bolster themselves. But I think trading Jordan Poole, especially with contract contractually, they have to they have to move off of that. Yeah, I don't know what they would actually get for Jordan Poole back. Like if they could get two rotational players or if it would be more like a salary dump. Uh, I just think... I think they probably could just because he's young. And when he, like when Steph doesn't play and like when he starts, he averages like 26. So I think, you, I think there are teams who are in a rebuilding mode to where they have enough, which is why I was, like Utah comes to my head. Like they're in that kind of building mode to where I think they, that he could be a nice piece there. But it have, there's like a select few teams that it could be, honestly. Either that or maybe like a Houston. I could see him in Houston. But again, I don't know what they have really for um, their roster is not coming to my head real quick. I don't know what they have for rotational pieces for them. But like a team like a Houston or Utah or something like that, I think would be his best location. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just would assume his value is low given he gave them nothing in the playoffs. Um, I could see. I could see oh, a yeah. one for one, maybe, maybe, oh, yeah. His definitely maybe low. two back, but they would still probably get the lesser value back. I just don't, I just don't know. I was disappointed with Steve Kerr. Seventy-five cents to the dollar, essentially. But yes, I go on with what you're saying. I was disappointed in Steve Kerr, uh, and the fact that he didn't play Kaminga. Like mm-hmm. you know, he didn't even try Kaminga in this series. I agree. Uh, it's really the only series you can play him in, especially like if you're gonna go down, at least go down shooting all your bullets. I don't think he did by not playing Kaminga. Um, mm-hmm. I can't believe how much the Warriors missed on all their lottery picks. I don't think the Warriors get enough heat for really trying the. Uh, they like deadass tried to like let's usher in the new era while still having our old era. Like meanwhile, it's not like Steph. It's not like they were at the point yeah. in their career where. Uh, Tim Duncan, Manu, and Tony Parker was when Kawhi like really started to emerge. You know what I mean? It would yeah. be one thing if they were all in their late thirties. They're still in their early thirties. Mm-hmm. Steph's in his mid thirties now, but like Steph's still. I mean, I said a week ago I thought he was the best player in the league. Now, I, maybe the best he's yeah, ever been. Like I would, I would lean Jokic now, obviously, because he's playing out of his fucking mind. But like, you know, Curry's right there, right? Yeah. Um, and how did they just missed on Wiseman? They missed on Kaminga. They missed on Moody. Like none of them are 
Like Moody's maybe a rotation mm-hmm. player, maybe, but like they got nothing out of those. Uh, maybe they should have. I don't really remember what my stance was at the time, whether I wanted them to draft or whether I thought they should trade out. I definitely think it would have been more interesting to see what they could have got for Wiseman at that time as the number one pick or whoever people valued at number one because it wasn't like he was a consensus. I thought they should have traded. I don't think it was a consensus that Wiseman was number one. No, uh, they had the two. Oh, they had two. Who's who's the number one? They had the two. Um, I thought they should have traded. I can't remember who went one, but I thought they should have traded it because of the fact that they they traded it. I thought they could get pieces. If not, I said they should get Lamelo Ball. And I think they still should have gotten Lamelo Ball. I said that afterwards because I think Lamelo, six eight, point guard, you can play Steph even more off the ball. Run can work up. Like I just felt like he actually fit everything that they needed. Mm-hmm. Personally, I felt like he could have been that. And you can because you can get a big. That's in a rot. You can get a rotational big. It's and but Lamelo, I felt like was obviously a true like genuine talent. To where if you, like, imagine this year with them having LaMelo. Right. Like. Right. And. I don't think it's, and I don't think, he's not a type of player where growth would have been stunted or anything like that for being in Golden State. Like, I still think they would have probably won a chip possibly last year. We never know about that. But this year with them having LaMelo along with Steph Curry, along with. But that's me. Yeah, I think not only should Kaminga have played at least something in the series. I think Looney should have played more. I mm-hmm. thought I thought yeah. he's he's certainly one of the best five players on their team. Yes. Why is he not getting more run, especially against AD? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting. Draymond didn't really pull much Draymond shit, at least not with LeBron or AD. He didn't really go at them as much as I thought he would. You know, that was part of the reason why I was no. looking forward to the series. Uh, he had no problem going after... Like Darvin Ham or Schroeder or like other role players, but he did not really challenge LeBron or AD or try to get in their heads. Um, Clay was Clay's yeah. one of my favorite players in the league, and he was he could not have been more terrible. He could not buy a single bucket. His shot selection was horrendous at times. Um, terrible. He's obviously going to opt into his contract. They're going to have a ton of money to pay, basically four or five players. Um, Draymond, I would want back. Like, so I, then, I think, which is why they need to trade pool because they have so much money that they need to get rid of. They have like it's almost a mandatory. We have to move on from him, or we're not getting Draymond. It's pool or Draymond, and I'm picking Draymond over Jordan Pool. Yeah, well, Draymond, he's got a player option. He can still opt in. It sounds like people think it's going to be an opt out and then a restructure. Yeah. I don't really know. Uh, yeah, I would want Draymond back. And then I thought this was very interesting. I saw this after the game. I don't know if you saw this last night, but Stephen A has his like Manning cast version. I think it's called like Stephen A's World, of where he watches the games. Stephen A's World, yeah. No, I didn't see it. And so yeah. he had Draymond on, and he asked him point blank. And this is one reason why I do love Stephen A is because he asks hard hitting questions. He's not afraid to ask real questions. Mm-hmm. And he asked Draymond. He's like, "How do you think the punch on Jordan Poole affected the season?" And Draymond gave a really drawn out nuanced answer of hey this is you know I let that situation fester I didn't really handle it with Jordan Poole I wasn't the leader I normally am up until February of this season you know I'll let you watch it but you know I'm trying to paraphrase here but he was basically like hey that's the reason for our road record um the chemistry wasn't there which you could see in game six that those guys Mm -hmm. were not 
together at all in the ways they have been in past years. Like, and again, you can tell that with a road record. And that's exactly what he said, you know, like, you know, we were not a championship team. We're a pretty good team. We're a talented team, but we were not a team that loved each other. And we were not a team that, you know, trusted each other. And, you know, that's why it reflected in the road record and then in the playoffs. And, you know, he went on to say, I still believe we could beat on, yep. beat any team in the playoffs, da, 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 respect to the Lakers. But, you know, so I thought it was very interesting how much accountability he took. Made me wonder why he did not handle the situation with Poole, especially since we've heard how him and Kerr can go at one another and they, you know, they patch it up and they move forward. Yeah. Um, and I wonder what Jordan Poole thought of that you know, Draymond giving a great answer to Stephen A, but he's probably like, you know, why don't you tell me it? You know what I mean? Like, I just wonder what the dynamic was between all mm-hmm. of them on the team for it to get to this point because they yeah. are one of the – I mean, that's how you are a mentally strong team is you work through shit like that. And that being at training camp in the preseason, you know, I don't – I'm surprised to hear that it festered that long. Uh, we should move on, though. Go ahead. I'll let you respond yes. before we move on to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, two things. I was going to say two things. Um, two things. One, I think if he was to have punched Sean Livingston in the face, who was kind of like in that Jordan Poole role, I think they worked through it. I think it might be because of how young Jordan Poole is. And the Jordan Poole really does feel like a me first kind of guy. Like you can, like by his shot selection at times, by his. Like, I don't know. It's just something about him comes off as almost like a me-first kind of guy. I could be completely wrong because I'm not in the locker room or anything. But I feel like if he punches Sean Livingston in the face, an older guy who's kind of in that same role, I feel they work it out. Um, so I think the re- a part of the reason it was because it was Jordan Poole, a younger guy who is, and I don't mean this even in a terrible way, but entitled, feels like, okay, I'm a very important part to this team. I, you guys aren't going anywhere without me. I'm I'm not dealing with the You did this. You're in the wrong. And maybe Draymond didn't, which is odd for him, didn't feel comfortable going up to him. I don't like see, that's really an odd dynamic of because you would think sure someone like Draymond would be like, yeah, no problem. We're gonna we're gonna get this out of the way early because I know what it takes to win a championship. And we saw, even though KD got injured, we saw kind of what KD and Draymond's festering relationship kind of had to there a little bit of chemistry they weren't as smooth throughout the year but they were so talented they were able to get to the finals that was one and two I wanted to quickly run through something because I this is I wrote down some stuff to talk about before but we didn't end up podcasting on Sunday game six of that series showed me like four things one was that the Lakers, when they lock in defensively, they're going to be tough for anybody to beat because they really do have a lot of length, a lot of speed, and they have a lot of intelligence. Schroeder is intelligent. Anthony Davis might be the best defender in the league. Uh, LeBron can still play some defense at a pretty high level, too. That was one. Two was Clay Thompson needs to look in the mirror this offseason and get back to what he was doing because he had a good stretch throughout the year, but he's been, as we said, J.R. Smith streaky. Three was Steph. A part that I took away from Steph was he ended with 32-6-5, even though he shot terrible from three and really wasn't at that efficient from the floor. Two, uh, the fact that he was still able to get 32, I understand the game was in the balance, but still those were games in the past that Steph would only score 17 and be like a non-factor in. 
but he was still a plus player. Not plus minus wise, no, but he was still like a positive impact on the floor more so than he would have been in the past. So I thought that kind of spoke to the maturation of Steph and how he still is learning to affect the game without being a great shooter in the game, per se, for like, depending on obviously the game. And then fourth was LeBron can still push the button when he needs to, which is crazy in year 20 that he can still, like when he needs to, like the button can be pushed and I can be the best player on the floor for any given night just to, like I have to pick and choose my nights, but on any given night I can still be the best player in the league. So those are the kind of four takeaways I had from Game Six. I'll let you respond to that, and we can move on to the actual series at hand now. What was the first point you made before Clay, Curry, and LeBron? Oh, Lakers on defense. Lakers. The on first defense. point that I made: the Lakers defense. We'll talk about that in regards to the Nuggets. Yep. Clay, uh, Clay, very much should be in the Jordan Poole role as a six man, I believe. Uh, He's very much a role player. That I haven't heard that at all, but that's very interesting. I mean, he played very like interesting. Saying haven't come on. He played that, like dog shit. He played like dog shit. And Kerr and <laughs> Kerr really even did. said like he basically said in a in as nice a possible way like Clay's got to be in shape. He's got to come in to training camp in shape, ready to play, and not come in out of shape like he did this year. Like he called Clay out. Uh, I thought Curry who has all of a sudden no problem now within the last couple of years getting to the rim at will. I would have liked to have seen him go into, and it's not his game, but I would have liked to have seen him go into like a Dwayne Wade type of mode where he was just getting to the rim, drawing fouls, because he could get to the rim whenever he wanted in that game six. You know what I mean? And he yeah. did it a little bit, but you are who you are. Yeah. But I would have liked to have seen him attack the rim more. I think that would have gave them the best chance if he just would have went screen and roll, attack the rim, and to see what happens because, yeah. you know, not much was working. Um, shit, what was the last that. point you made? Oh, LeBron. And then the uh, LeBron can still push the button. He definitely can. He's definitely still hampered by that foot, you can see, because uh, he's not nearly as explosive. Um, oh, yeah. So I don't know if he can be the absolute best player. I thought that was a great LeBron game. But he can definitely get, like, you know, if Prime LeBron's an A plus plus, he can definitely get to the A level. I believe. I don't even know if he's at an A plus yet, um, but he still has great command, great control of the game. He's just on like another plane and tier when it comes to IQ, uh, and and that is why I think he still can be. It has no like athletically, he's obviously not there, and you can tell the foot kind of hampers him on some drives. But it's the fact that. He just knows how to control the entire game now to hit and put it at his pace so he can make himself the most like effective player on any given night because he can control it. Obviously, someone like Steph or someone like Jokic, who he's playing now, and uh, maybe Tatum or Butler, they can match that. But it's just he, – he just is so great. And the fact that he's doing this – and he's been in the league for 20 years. It's just, it's crazy. It's really only Tom Brady you can compare it to, and that's that. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Uh, and I, I think he's the most important player for the Lakers. I don't think – like, I thought Anthony Davis was the best player the other night in game one. And here we'll transition to the, the Nuggets and Lakers. Uh, mm. If you would have asked yep. me before the series, I would have said I think the Nuggets win in six, and I still believe that. Uh, I think the Nuggets actually go up 2-0. I think tonight's a must-win for the Lakers. Uh, I think they'll get at least one at home, but I think the Nuggets go up 2-0. That being said, you know, I've talked 
most of the season about how the reason why I love the Nuggets is because how efficient they are on offense. They can get whatever they want at any point in time on offense. And the only time we've really seen it disrupted was in that fourth quarter of game one where it looked like that's the first time I've really seen them struggle to get shots. Um, that being said, Jokic, Jokic mm-hmm. damn near put up a 30-20-15, right? He had over 30 points. He had over 20 boards. And I think he had 14 assists. Like, he does whatever the fuck he wants out there. Yep. Uh, you know, we talk the biggest thing about the playoffs with coaching is adjustments. Yep. I think eventually the Nuggets, whether it's tonight, whether it's later in the series, will make adjustments to what the Lakers are doing on defense. Um, I think we're going to see more mm-hmm. Rui Hachimura for the Lakers. Uh, he, he, I don't know yeah. what he's listed for his height, but he looks like he's about 6'10". Like, he he looks like a true power forward. That was a. I think he is listed at six. That was a great trade for them, given that he was a lottery pick and he wasn't doing nothing in Washington. And he's truly like, not yeah. reaching his potential, but he's you know flourishing for the Lakers. LeBron and AD seem to trust him a little bit. Um, yes, I do think AD is their best player at this point. LeBron's their most important player, but I think AD really is the one A right now in, in terms of production. Um, one, one thing I would say though, if they don't win, if he's not, in my opinion, if you gave me the option, like a whole series, like no one series, if right. he's not, but yeah, right. going. Jokic is just playing at such a high level right now before the series. If you would have gave me the option of like just blank team and I can have either just Jokic or both AD and LeBron, I'm taking Jokic over AD and LeBron. I think that's how high of a level he's playing right now um i think yeah i think right now and again i said two weeks ago that steph curry was the best player on the planet i think Jokic is now the best player on the planet i truly do uh i think they get to the finals i think it's them versus the celtics in the finals um they have a true home court advantage i would not be surprised though going back to the matchup i just said it very well could be Denver-Miami Heat, and I saw a tweet last night that said if it's Denver versus Miami Heat, that finals will be held on NBA TV. I thought that was great. Uh, but, look, the Lakers got it cut out for them with Jokic, with Jamal Murray. He's playing at a high level. Michael Porter Jr., uh, who he's not a disappearer, but he's not going to give you the scoring production every single game. He's more scoring production every other game, but I am seeing more from MPJ on defense. Uh, yep. He's definitely helping on the rebounding side of things. Um, who the fuck else they got? Bruce Brown playing well for them as the backup point guard out of nowhere. He was like the power forward. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, who I'm really interested to see how he does on LeBron down the stretch. Um, yeah, Aaron Gordon's a weird one. Codwell Pope and Jeff Green are really the other ones. Aaron Gordon's a weird one. I'm surprised they haven't played Reggie Jackson at all. He was like their big buyout move. But Bruce Brown is really impressive because he was like the power forward kind of in the for the Brooklyn Nets last year playing next to Durant. And then now this year, all of a sudden, post-deadline, he's yep. he's their backup point guard and effective at it. Um, what are your thoughts on the series? How far do you think it goes? Who do you think wins? Yep. Um, I would love to see Lakers-Celtics. That would be insane, but I do not think that's what's going to happen here. Um. So I do think the Lakers pull it out in seven if the Nuggets win, not a shock in the slightest. I think the Nuggets are, I just, I think with, and this was before I had 
the Lakers in seven after game one. I feel the same. Jokic is great. This might not even be the best Jokic game we have in the series. He's that it's great. Put up a forty and forty. Joe and Dazzle and I have been going back and forth on. <laughs> he might. He might. Uh, Jokic. Uh, Joe and Dazzle and I have been going back and forth on like because I was talking to him about how it's really a for me a two person conversation with either Steph or Jokic for the best player in the league right now. He has Jokic. I might lean Steph, but if you say Jokic, I have no problem with it. I'm I'm not going to argue it at all. And obviously, with Jokic still being in the playoffs, still seeing him every day, you're just seeing you're even seeing more and more of his greatness. So that's so that was that's really my one and two right now. But going forward throughout the series tonight, I think the Lakers pull it out tonight, and Denver steals one of the two in L.A. They go back to Denver three two or two two. Denver goes up. Then the Lakers go back in game six and win. And then so then we have a cinematic game seven. And up comes down to the wire. I think LeBron just makes a few plays. This feels like a LeBron year. See, it doesn't I, to I, me. So this it doesn't like to his, me because... How they were saying the Warriors were their last... I was going to say it does not to me because just LeBron's on. injured and he has to really pick and choose. And, uh, you know, you'll see it tonight. If they get down... Credit to them, though. They battled back in game one. But if they get down 20 points, 22 points, they're not going to, depending on the point in the game that is, they're either going to scrap back or they're going to take a step back. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's entirely possible yeah. the Lakers are down 3-1 at one point in the series. I definitely do not see them winning any games in Denver. Like, tonight's the night if they are. Denver's undefeated at home. By the way, the Lakers are undefeated at home. Um, and I believe the Heat are undefeated at home as well. Mm. Only the Celtics are the, the ones who are not undefeated right now. Uh, look, that just makes me just that right there. Like, let's all not be surprised once again when the yeah the Heat are yeah, undefeated. when the Heat are in the finals in two weeks. Here, let's all not be surprised. Let's just say that. I know I'm picking the Celtics, but their home record, just like the Warriors away record, how like that yep. came back to bite them in the playoffs. This, I promise you. I'm picking the Celtics, but mm-hmm. do not be surprised in two weeks when it's whether it's Lakers versus the Heat or the Nuggets versus the Heat. Just don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Um, but no, I think mm-hmm. I think Denver's the best team in the league. I don't think I think the Lakers have to do a lot to to win a series against Denver, whereas Denver would have to not play to their standard to lose mm-hmm. against the Lakers. Uh Credit to the Lakers. I do think, like you said, Keenan, I think they're a, a great defensive team. I think, much like the Heat, they're a smart defensive team. They're a tough yeah. team, especially when AD's doing what AD does. Yeah. He can, Like you said, he can be the best defender on the planet on a given night. I think he has been. I think he is by far the defensive player of the playoffs mm-hmm. this year. Uh, I, I, bet, I bet he's oh, averaging yeah. something like, what, yeah. three or four blocks a game? Like That's kind of unheard of in this, this NBA. Yeah, I think it's somewhere around there. He's been stupid. Um, but, look, Jokic is putting together an all-time run. How are the Lakers going to stop that? That's it. If you he if he's going to continue to put up 30, 15s, and 12s, you know, with insane shooting splits, by the way, I believe he's shooting like mm. some like 50% from three, 55 from the field. Uh, there's no stop. You have to actually literally like make him – 
you know, do what Embiid did. He has to play below his his level for them to win, you know. And if he's doing that, at least we've seen him. If he's got to score at all, he he will put up fifty on you. Uh, you know, unless you take him out completely yeah. offensively, him or Jamal Murray, I don't think the Lakers really have a chance to win. Unless it is seven games and they're scratching and clawing, uh, but I don't see it. I don't see it. I do like this Lakers team. I, um, I mean, look, they had to get. That was the best game of Austin Reeves' career, possibly the other night in Game One, and uh, you know they still came out with the loss. You don't know what you're getting from D'Angelo night tonight. You're either gonna get good D'Angelo Russell or bad D'Angelo Russell. Reeves is definitely the three, but you got two really good games out of AD and Braun. And then on top of that, like I said, maybe Austin Reeves' best game as far as scoring for sure. And uh, what did it amount to? You know, the Nuggets still held on and won. So, hmm. yeah, they're going to need at least five guys to give them true I, offensive yeah. output every night because otherwise it's going to be a quick series. There's a world where I think Denver gets L.A. out in five. But props to L.A.'s defense. Props to, like you said, LeBron. LeBron really can still gear it up when he wants. I don't know if he gets the best player in the world status, but he definitely gets to top five. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And uh yeah, and AD's still AD. He yep. stayed healthy I, somehow. I think on like one game he possibly could, but no, I know what yeah. you're saying. I know what you're saying. He's he's right around that top five conversation. Knock on sure. wood here, but when he, AD, when he AD hasn't it. gotten hurt yet. So I don't know. Things are still looking up for LA. But tonight is a must win in my eyes for the LA Lakers. Okay, so a couple things. Um, as you were saying, you didn't feel like this is kind of meant for LeBron this year. Um, as I was saying, um, the Warriors were talking about their last dance, but I didn't think that it was just because I know obviously money-wise. I feel like this is might be LeBron's like last legitimate chance to win one. So it kind of feels like he almost feels that. And like um, I just – the way he's operating right now, I think that they can get it done. Possibly, I don't know. I think LeBron's playing at a. It'll be interesting. <laughs> you said the NBA TV thing. I was gonna say, I think. Go on. You know the way he's operating. I think he's playing at a B B plus level right now. You know, I don't think he's. Yeah, and I think he's gotten better per series. Ha- so I think he might be better this series and then better Positive. next series. I mean, I don't, I don't think if he played he that well in the series. Golden State series, which is why like it's more embarrassing that they lost. I don't think they played a particularly great Lakers team. You know, AD gave them, I mean, shit, that game four with Lonnie Walker, it was Lonnie Walker who beat him. You didn't get a good AD or Braun effort. Braun brought it in game six. AD certainly in game one, but... Man, the Warriors got to be kicking themselves. Yeah, let's say LeBron averaged, I think, 25, 10, and 5 for oh, that I series. I, and shot like 50 I get that. His numbers were good. I'm just saying, like, I think he played a very good His numbers good were good, but you weren't – it wasn't like like prime LeBron when you're like, okay, LeBron's doing everything. LeBron's doing this on defense. Okay, LeBron's LeBron's oh, no, on the boards. LeBron LeBron's assist numbers are way down, which means he's hardly getting to the rim. LeBron's really just a transition player especially in that Golden State series. He was doing most of his damage in transition. In the half court, he was really scaling it back a lot. Um, again, if this is healthy, LeBron, I'm there with you. But he just does not seem close to what he was even like four months ago this season. You know, I thought he was more explosive. He had better impact on the game. Now, I think because he scaled it back in the Golden State series, 
I think we are going to get more of that in this Denver series. I just don't know if it's going to be up to the LeBron we're used to. I think he can get like 85, 90% of the way there, but I don't think he can get to 100%. Um, but like you said, he can still kind of bring it on defense when he wants, but I don't think he's going to have the total impact over the game, but we'll see. That's what I can't wait for. We'll get to see it tonight. Cause tonight again, I believe is a must win. If they don't win tonight, I, I don't want to call it over, but it's damn near over if Denver wins tonight. So I think we're going to see LeBron's possible best effort tonight. I think we're going to see AD's best effort tonight because they're going to need it. They're going to need it. And they played they played a pretty great game one between the two of them. Um, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, I think that... I do think that tonight is a very big game for the Lakers. I believe tonight's also going to be more indicative of what the series is going to look like rather than game one. I mean, both teams shot over 52% from the floor, over 44% from three. Like, it was just an offensive, it was an efficiency expo in in game one. I think this game is going to look a little bit closer to what the rest of the series will look like. So I'm really interested to see how this game goes. And um, what I was getting to was if LeBron does get to the finals against, say, the Celtics, a Lakers-Celtics finals with LeBron James there against a team that he's seen multiple times in the playoffs and the Celtics would be crazy. Like, the historical nature of that would be absolutely insane. Obviously, if the Heat, and then if the Heat get to the finals, again, a team, an eight seed getting back to the finals, I mean, for the second time ever, the only one was the 99 Knicks, and that season was a lockout season and they only oddly enough I mean they only won six less games than the Heat who were the one seed so like they were an eight Mm -hmm. seed but not even like a true eight seed I mean this obviously the Heat were technically a seven seed but like they're still but they've still operated as an eight seed for the entire playoff so it's going to be incredible to see that and then obviously if Denver gets there they could win their first one ever a lot of historical things that could happen in this playoffs which is cool but uh, one thing I do want to mention real quick, because I brought up the heat before I head out because I've got a couple minutes left. This heat team might get to the finals and could possibly win it. Like It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could beat the Nuggets or Lakers, especially with the people they've played already, if they'd be beating Boston and Milwaukee, the top two seeds. They still can get like much better, which is the crazy thing about them. Like... Obviously, I think in the offseason, someone that I would really love them to go for would be Fred Van Vliet. I feel he fits that team perfectly and would add an extra element to that team. I think I just think that they're in a really good spot, and they're in a very interesting spot moving forward. And that just shows how great that culture is and how great Pat Riley is. And Eric Spolstra. Two responses. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're in a great spot. They're not in a bad spot. I don't know if they have... A ton of flexibility this offseason. Uh, but to LeBron, that's the one thing I wanted to respond to that I forgot to last last time was you said this might be LeBron's best chance or last good chance. I would have agreed with you, but they actually now have weirdly like trade assets to where I think they could, you know, possibly put something together within the next two years to where it might extend LeBron a little bit, um, especially since it's L.A. You know what I mean? I don't think they can get Dame. But, you know, there will be someone who wants to get out and go play with Bron and AD. And, you know, maybe that trade ship is AD. 
I don't really see it because of how well he has played in this postseason. I think if AD has a bad postseason, he's out of there. Yeah, I think he. I think he played his way out. Yeah, of the I trade. really do. I really do. Uh, so, and in, in a good way, he's played his way yeah, out of the trade. Absolutely. So, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Uh, Harden. Rumors are Harden could go back to the Rockets. He wanted Doc out of there though, and he got Doc out of there. So I think he really does end up staying in Philly, which interesting. Um, we'll talk off season a lot more. Obviously, as time progresses, we got NFL talk. We need to talk about too. I, I got tons of NFL thoughts flowing around. I yes. cannot wait to talk more NFL. Yes. However, uh, I want to know your thoughts on Wembenyama going to the San Antonio Spurs because that's what's going to end up happening here. Spurs get the number one pick. Uh, what are your thoughts? Last thoughts are people's some people's uh, uh, expectations for him are way too high. And I mean way who, too high. Who's, who's some know, people? Um, like Chris Broussard yesterday. I did see this. I did I see know, this. Um, Chris, I know a lot of people, be, be, uh, best prospect ever is cool. You're in a conversation. Obviously, there was Luau Cinder Kareem. There was uh, LeBron, too, which is kind of tough. Um, Chris Broussard yesterday said if he is – Kevin Durant level player than with the expectations that he has read and that have been portrayed, he is underachieving. And that is crazy. What the expectations I have for Victor Wimbanyama is Hall of Fame top twenty five ever. Holy shit. I don't think that's crazy to put on somebody. I don't like I mean that's from what I've gotten, and I'm like obviously injury is, but but from what I've gotten, that is the top twenty-five potential in like obviously MVP caliber player for years to come. I mean, because top twenty-five is Dwayne. I've still Lee. never gotten an explanation. Like I think Dwayne. W- I've still never gotten an explanation on why you thought Brandon Ingram was going to be a top twenty-five player of all time, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, that one was a little wild to me. That one, that one was just more so. Uh, I, I don't know. I I couldn't give you an explanation on that. Sometimes you swing and miss when you say random things. I just never Sometimes got an explanation. You you hit. I just never got an explanation. I just but, never got an explanation. Uh, the ex- That's all. The, the expo- I, was like, I, I, I the continued to ask you. I was, was like, what I about him? He's top twenty-five, and then I never, years later, never got an answer. I I thought that he was gonna. I thought he was gonna progress. I thought he was going to be a. Well, because I felt like he was going to be a Paul George level. Um, I thought he was going to be a little bit better than like a Paul George level. And then obviously with that comes good situation, winning and all that good stuff. And Because top, 20, top 25 means you're like player. at least a <laughs> top 25 nice. means like you're a contender by year three or four. Yeah. yeah. Um, like Luka's looked. I mean, he had some skills. He had nice. But yeah, no. I that. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, well. Yeah, I understand what that means. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't. It it just didn't happen. I got. I was to say. Um, I'm. I've been like bad on some, been phenomenal on some others. But yeah, uh, Victor Wembanyama. That is. I would assume like yes, top twenty five and MVP caliber perennially potential. I think the Spurs got the part two. I mean, I don't think he'll be this great. I don't know if he'll be this great, but they got their like part two of Tim Duncan essentially. Like they 
bad, and then they got like the number one prospect, and obviously Tim Duncan in two years they won a championship. That was a lockout season, but I don't think that's happening in San Antonio now. But I do think they've got their franchise hopefully for the next 15-plus years, at least for the next five. It all depends on how it goes. Yeah, he very much wanted to be a Spur because of the French connections with the San Antonio Spurs like Tony Parker, yep. Boris Diaz, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like he does have a home there. Pop now, I told Steve, Pop might like coach till he dies now. Um, I think, I don't yeah. know if you heard the Woj quote. Same way with Bill Belichick next year gets Caleb Williams for somehow. Right. They, they can coach Bill Belichick will coach until he dies. Uh, I don't know if you heard the Woj quote. He said something about best prospect ever. I'll address that in a sec. But he said something about there's people around the league that think by year three he could best be the best player in the league. I think that's fucking insane. Um, no, no, that's insane. That that's what I'm saying. Cause like by and that's why Chris Broussard said like by everything that he is saying, there you are. If he is like Hakeem Olajuwon, Kevin Durant, he is under. That's the most insane. And if this man is Hakeem Olajuwon. A top, That's the most insane thing. A top 12 to 13 player to ever play. He That's a great career. I'm sorry. Like, we should we should need to stop doing this. Like, LeBron, I understand, had super high expectations, and he outlived those expectations incredibly. Like, because his LeBron. But saying that this guy has to be now Shaq plus, Shaq plus already, that's crazy. That is crazy. Chris Broussard just be saying shit sometimes, and that's one of the most insane things I've ever heard. Uh, look, LeBron, people, are, people were trying to say, I know Zion, Zion probably had the most hype since LeBron, but this kid has more hype than Zion, I believe. All right? Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, yeah. yeah, LeBron is the most hype prospect ever. It's bar none. That's in any sport. All right? I will say, though, the more I see, the more mm-hmm. I see Wemby highlights. I don't think it's crazy to say he might be the best NBA prospect ever, just because he's fucking he's seven five and is a true like. Let's just say he had no guard skills, right? If he couldn't, let's say he could shoot the ball at like a average yeah. level, uh, he could handle the ball at a slightly above average. You know what I mean? Like just average, right? And he was just a rim protector prospect. Mm-hmm. He'd still be a lottery pick just off his rim protection and how he moves uh, just as a seven foot five. He's a better Rudy Gobert. Possibly. Possibly. Um, and he's a pick and roll. Well, I'm just saying, like, at worst, like, if that was the case, he's a better Rudy yeah. Gobert. So, I mean, obviously, that's a yeah. great pick and, uh, for defensively. You know, he's got an eight foot wingspan. He's seven foot four or five with potential to grow. There's injury risk there, mm-hmm. but. I mean, just off of his pick and roll prowess and his yeah. uh, defensive prowess alone, he'd be a lottery pick just off as a big man, right? Now, let's take his big man skills. Let's say those are average. Let's say he yep. d- he's not strong on the post. Let's say he's not really a pick and roll threat. Maybe he wants to be more of a pick and pop guy. You know, maybe he's more in the Pazingas mode where he's not as tough. Uh, or not, I don't want to say tough, but maybe not as physical, right? He Even then, he's still a lottery pick if you take his guard skills because he can get his own shot. He can shoot the three pretty well, even though he's shooting like 28%. But even off that, if you say yeah. he's 7'5 with guard skills, he's a lottery pick. You put that together with his legit ball handling skills. Yeah. 
Uh, he's got ball handling skills. He can shoot. He can get his own shot, period. He can shoot from the post. He can protect the rim. Uh, you can put him in the pick and roll. Uh, like, the kid has defensive player of the year potential on top of MVP potential, on top of obvious rookie of the year potential, on top of being a sharpshooter. Um, the only question with him is injury uh, and drive. You know, if he's got, if he's got yep. even like, you know, we talk about we talk about Kobe a lot on here. If he's even eighty five percent of Kobe's drive, that's an instant Hall of Famer, right? Like that's an instant Hall of Famer. And then you put on top of that that he's got one of the mm-hmm. greatest coaches of all times, one of the greatest yep. organizations of all time, who will be, in my opinion, they can be a playoff team next year with this kid. Uh, I don't know what they'll surround him with. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Draymond yeah. go to the Spurs. I ain't going to lie. Draymond with Wemby and whatever else is around him, I think that'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see Chris Paul on the Spurs if he gets bought out, if he gets traded, whatever. I think Chris Paul and Wemby would yeah. be interesting. Excuse me. But I do think he's going to be an impact player immediately. Um. And I can't wait to see how it develops. I cannot wait to see mm-hmm. Wemby on the Spurs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I know you got to go. I could keep going, but I know you got to go. So, Yes. I know. Well, we can definitely talk more about this with Camden when he's on because I know Camden's going to have thoughts on it too. I've definitely, it's going to be very interesting to see what they surround him with if they have instant like, hey, this is instant winning. Like, we're going to win this year, or we're going to try to at least go to the playoffs this year and then next year try mm-hmm. to you know, go for it, see what they kind of do. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Spurs organization works in moving forward. But as you said, I do have to head out to work. So this was the Warner Brothers Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Warner Brothers Podcast. Like us on YouTube. Uh, follow us everywhere. Subscribe, comment, and we're out.